You're listening to 2XXFM. Like us on Facebook to keep updated on what's going on at 2XXFM. and you're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. The program is Subject ACT and today we are talking golf and more specifically we are talking Empower Golf. To join me today we have James Gribble who is the founder of Empower Golf. He's an Australian who is passionate about golf, travel and people. James worked in investment banking in London for 10 years after completing an economics degree from the University of Sydney. In late 2008, James broke his neck, becoming quadriplegic. For four years, he focused on an intensive rehabilitation program, proving many doctors wrong with his significant recovery. He's now able to walk short distances on crutches and, crucially, can swing a golf club. Before his injury, James had a low single-digit handicap and played golf around the world. After a long struggle, he is now one of the only quadriplegic golfers in the world. James has experienced firsthand the very positive impact that golf can have on any individual, be they fully able-bodied or less able-bodied. The psychological, physical and social benefits associated with golf inspired James to establish Empower Golf. Its mission is to make golf accessible to Australians of all abilities. James has a strong focus on improving the lives of disabled individuals, working closely with the Royal Rehabilitation Hospital in Sydney. He's also an ambassador for the Sargood on Collaroy, a new spinal injury resort on the northern beaches of Sydney, New South Wales. James combines his passions for golf and helping those with disabilities with the skills of a corporate background to change people's lives. It's a very warm welcome via the phone to James. Welcome, James. Well, that was such a quite a quite an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> a well-deserved introduction, I, I would say. Now, part of that introduction mentioned um, that you did break your neck. Are you happy to share with us what happened? Of course, yeah, gladly. Look, I just finished up a stint in London, and like many people, I wanted had a sense of adventure and wanted to go out on that sort of world trip and book the ticket and found myself down in Africa, actually. And after only being there for a couple of weeks, I on the day of my accident, I actually went for quite a long run. And later that night, whether it was dehydration or something else I remember just sitting down for dinner and feeling a little bit lightheaded and literally within seconds of that feeling I passed out and all I can remember is waking up with no movement from my head down after blanking out and falling backwards off the stool that I was sitting on and breaking my neck. So something happened to, to lead to the fall but and it was the fall that, that led to the quadriplegia? My understanding, yes, from from the couple of people who saw it happen, it was just a very simple fall backwards off the stool onto some sort of beach sand and, yeah, very simple kind of accident with pretty catastrophic circumstances, unfortunately. And apart from a lot of things, just being away from home, I imagine, too, brings a lot of other elements um, to that situation. 
100%. I was on this tiny little island on the Zambezi River called Jungle Junction, which is probably geographically the worst place you could possibly have a spinal cord injury on the planet in terms of medical health. So literally the first assist was a was a medivac helicopter, which is about 12 hours later first, at first light the next morning, and then a couple of uh, medivac jets and helicopters to get me to Johannesburg, which is about 30 hours after my initial fall did I reach full medical help at a hospital. Wow. I'm trying to think, where do you start? What's what's going through your mind in, in that part of this experience? Well, initially, the first motion was stopping the people who were trying to pick me up off the floor because not that I had a lot of experience with spinal cord injury before, I, I knew I was obviously paralysed. I couldn't feel anything from my head down. So there's a lot of people, people's first reaction when someone falls is to pick them up. So stopping the people from moving me, which, you know, later I found was quite critical in terms of not damaging the spinal cord even further. That was probably the first reaction. And then following that was really just a bit of a state state of shock, um, trying to digest something like that, you know, in such a small time, you know, it's near, near on impossible. And I think really um, you just go into a sort of deep contemplation phase where my immediate concern was really just trying to keep my eyes open and stay awake because there were so many unknowns. I was just probably just scared that if I... I shut my eyes and that was going to be pretty much it. I was always into my sports, adventure, travel and just activity. So I guess your mind initially goes straight to what, what, I am, what am I going to be able to do again, if anything. And so many of the things that have been taken away from you come straight to your mind. I guess really in those first, even in those first moments, I, as hard as it was, was trying to lose some of those, that, that really full life that I had to then really focus on how I was going to, and I come up with a plan to really get back to as much of that as I possibly could. Did you start thinking ahead quite quickly or was it purely shock for a certain amount of time? Oh, yeah, shock 100% for the first, you know, 24 hours or so. Mm. But then I remember even early, early on on those first couple of nights lying there in hospital, I so once I'd sort of got rid of the thoughts about, you know, why me and what if and all those natural thoughts, I um, I was lucky that for some reason... I managed to really focus on the recovery rather than the injury. And, you know, when, you, when you've got no movement from your head down, um, you've got a lot of upside, shall we say. I really just focused on you know, trying to you know, get that upside um, going. And I even remember just those, even probably the second or third night, I, um, I really just found myself visualising, you know, a lot of the things I used to do sport-wise, whether it was, you know, playing rugby, whether it was hitting a golf ball or running or swimming, and really tried to use those visualizations as the sort of cornerstone of my physical recovery to the point for the obsessive golfers out there that I'd you know pick my favorite golf course and literally play shot by shot hole by hole in my head um, wow. of course I'd always play play a bit better in my head than I did when I was an able-bodied person but <laughs> that was uh, that was part of the thing that kept me going for sure I think that sounds quite remarkable um, that you were thinking of that in the in a matter of days. Now, moving forward a bit into the intensive rehabilitation program, can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, I think the best way to describe it is if you've got the right headspace, then you kind of come up with a plan where you're literally starting from scratch again. So it's almost like it's like a ground zero, ground zero kind of environment, um, and you're just trying to build the body back from from that from that damage. So you know, when, even when I was visualising my body, I'd wiggle my toes my ankles my knees my hips 
um, all the way up to my shoulders to try and recreate some sort of path or new like nerve passes paths to those um, different body parts mm-hmm. and then similarly into rehabilitation um, that was the focus I remember um, I've there's four people four others in my immediate family and each of them got a limb and to um, to work on <laughs> um, and whether that was just massaging moving or stretching um, you know we, we just did hours and hours of of, of movement before some of the actual um, you know, control came in from my side of things. Um, so as a, so that was the first part, and then secondly is really working with all the different types of um, all the different therapies that the, the doctors and the physios and the OTs, you know, whether it's electrical stimulation, actually stimulate stimulating muscles to move before they before they recover, uh, and just a combination of of different therapies, whether it was getting in the pool, whether it's land-based, whether it was sort of psychological-based, the kind of combination of, of many different things. Before the accident, you were an extremely independent person who was travelling the world, successful in, in business, enjoying sport all around the world as also. How big was independence for you? Oh, look, I think for anyone who has you know, ability or life expectation sort of taken away from them, then you know, getting back to some sort of independence is probably the, the most paramount thing on their mind, for sure. Mm. Um, and, that, and that's probably the hardest thing to psychologically grapple with. Mm. Uh, I think um, I do say, I do say with, with hindsight now, I do, I do say to a lot of people that when you, when you really look at the way the world's structured these days without being too philosophical, that everybody really relies on, on people every day to get through. Mm. So the, the the notion of independence is very different to, you know, when we, um, you know, we're walking around in, in the outback by ourselves, fending for ourselves, you know, if um, the way that I try and tell people or, or other people who have suffered similar, similar fates is that actually relying on people for a few things here and there isn't the end of the world. You know, we still rely on people our car breaks down to go to the mechanic or, you know, if we, when we're buying food, you know, people pre-preparing it, all these things. So we're all very interlinked mm. and no one's really truly independent these days anymore. So trying to keep that to the forefront of your mind was always a good way of trying to deal with it, shall we say. Was that a difficult transition for you? Um, look, I think definitely there was some, some pretty dark days where, mm. you know, you'd be sitting by yourself, you know, whether, whether it was waiting for someone to come and help you out of bed or lying there, you know, exhausted after a day's rehab, sort of contemplating life. Uh, but I, I've got to say, for whatever reason, I, I was very, very lucky to kind of quell those negative thoughts and, and try and use any energy I had to really focus on getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier, obviously, said than done um, sometimes. Sure. But um, that was... That was Something I was very lucky to be able to get my head around. So one of those life passions that you have always had is with golf. How did that start coming back into an idea of an even a possibility in your life to return to golf? Oh, look, originally I was so dogged with my rehabilitation that I literally thought, oh, well, I'm just going to get a full recovery, so why would I bother playing golf, you know, when I can't play properly? 
I literally didn't even contemplate it for probably, you know, fully going out there and hitting a ball for probably the first three or four years. Right. But then when I when I got to the point where I could actually stand up um, with crutches and take some steps, one of the first things I thought about was well, where I can obviously try and swing a golf club. So I um I convinced someone to come out under under the footy oval with me and you know basically strap it when I was standing on two crutches and I'd have someone remove one of the crutches and sort of get them to strap a, a, a golf club onto my hand because my hand function it wasn't very good at that stage it actually still isn't and uh, and re- try and recreate some sort of golf scene so that was the very early stages. Can you remember the first time you were able to hit a golf ball again and how that felt? Oh perfectly it was it was a beautiful day. I could smell the, the cut grass and the birds in the trees, but like I used to, you know, going out there playing and um, just taking that deep breath and swinging and just hoping that I didn't miss the ball, to be honest. Um, but yeah, just to be standing up and swinging and connecting and being able to you know, get back to one of my passions was just, yeah, phenomenal day, absolutely beautiful. And what did that mean for you? Oh, it was a very small action that was sort of built into, you know, the pinnacle of, you know, what had been, you know, the hardest sort of four day four or five years of, you know, working every day to to get back to something. Um, it was an absolute sort of pinnacle of that or a representation of that um, that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also mean, meant for me, you know, re-engagement with, starting to re-engage them with some friends um, and potentially old work colleagues and enjoy something that, you know, had given me so many sort of great experiences across the corporate you know, travel and social worlds of my life previously. So so would you say that um, re-engaging with golf uh, was helping you re-engage with a sense of self? I would say for sure, yeah. Just, mm. um, you know, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're passionate about something, um, you know, and you lose it, then um, then being able to come return to it, especially after such a long time and so many so much heartache, yeah, definitely, yeah, there's a spiritual side to it for sure. This leads us into the idea, I guess, of the of empower golf. When did that idea start coming about? When I first sort of when I first sort of got, got over those first couple of months of rehabilitation, I realised that um, I was actually one of the lucky ones in terms of you know, my family support and my sort of financial situation and in some respects my recovery from a catastrophic accident. And really I wanted to use my energy going forward in some ways to improve the life of people with spinal cord injury and especially using the mantra of this kind of exercise to recovery, which I was um, a massive beneficiary of. Mm-hmm. And along those along those sort of about that time I was going through the transition back into golf myself and I looked at it as a sport for people with disabilities and it is absolutely unique in, in what it gives in the fact that first and foremost, you know, the handicap system which exists in golf is hundred percent unique to that sport, which means you can actually go out and play as a disabled person with, you know, your mum, your brother, the pro at the local golf course or, you know, your boss at work and everybody can play on the same hole and compete and enjoy the sport together. 
Yeah. Um, I looked around the looked around the sort of landscape of Australia, and in terms of our infrastructure and golf, we've got pretty much more golf courses per capita than anywhere else in the world, and we have one of the best environments to to do that. So, um, even though those two point, points existed, there was there's actually not that many people playing um, playing golf. So, with with disabilities, so combination of those factors and my journey back into golf basically brought me to trying to change the landscape of, of golf in Australia for disabled people and make it more accessible and um, for, for people around the country. You're listening to Subject ACT. My name is Jennifer Thompson and it's time for some music before we continue our discussion with James Gripple from Empower Golf. Now, James, I asked you to recommend a song that is an inspiring song and a motivation song for you and you suggested the song If I Ever Feel Better by Phoenix. They say an end can be a start Feels like a barbarian still out It's like a bad day that never ends I feel the chaos around me A thing I don't try to deny I better learn to accept that There are things in my life I can't control They say love are nothing but a sore I don't even know what love is Too many days I've had to fall But you know I'm so tired of it all I have no terror, these spells Finding out the secret words won't tell Whatever it is it can be named There's a part of my world that's fading away Too like ice, true like fire No one know that a breeze coming me away No one know there's much more dignity In a feat than a brother's victory I'm losing my balance on the tightrope Tell me please, tell me please, tell me please, tell me please
That was If I Ever Feel Better by Phoenix. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 and the project is the program rather is Subject ACT. So today we're chatting with James Gribble from Empower Golf. So James, you were mentioning how this came about for you and what this meant for you being able to be reconnected with golf um, and how empowering it was for you. Can you tell me what you've witnessed it's meant for other people? We, we do a couple of things at Empower Golf. We First and foremost, we work with the club network of golf courses to set up inclusive facilities where people can um, be guaranteed access, uh, equipment and sort of the educational piece. And then separate to that, we actually run clinics where people can come and play the game uh, for the first time or try different different equipment. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we also... Um, we also run tournaments for people to compete if they like. One of the um, one of probably the most unique bits of equipment we use is a device called the Paragolfer, mm-hmm. which is a specialised all-terrain stand-up electric wheelchair, which has been designed specifically for golf. And what that can what that what it actually does is, with the hydraulics in the seat, once you're actually still strapped in, you can stand up and recreate a swing. Of a, of a golf club a bit like you would as an able-bodied person. That must feel amazing. Yeah, look, I think for the people who, who you know, have had accidents or, or you know, want to do anything, you know, to return to standing up, it is, it's a pretty kind of a life-changing moment. And when you talk about the experiences we've had around the country, uh, probably a few have come to mind more specifically with, with the paragolfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... The most recent one was a gentleman who contacted us up, contacted us on on the central coast of uh, New South Wales, and he'd had a, a spinal cord injury. And his one of his biggest losses was being able to enjoy sport with his with his family, in particular his um, his sort of thirteen fourteen year old son. Mm-hmm. And you know he came along to one of his clinics, and, and like a lot of people, were a bit sort of apprehensive about you know, what we might be able to do with him. Um, but to see him, you know, kind of standing up for the first time, you know, since his accident and then, you know, hitting balls, you know, alongside his son and just seeing how that, you know, in his mind you could see it ticking over, that you know, something A, that I'm going to have to do again and, mm. and B, just being able to, you know, enjoy that sport and that bit of camaraderie and competitiveness with his, with his son. I mean, they're pretty special moments to be part of and then and then in the follow-up you know seeing how he's now using not only the paragolfer but using golf as a sport to um and, and some of the the etiquette that goes along with that to sort of almost teach his son how to be a young gentleman the combination of those two has been has been pretty powerful mm. uh i know i know there was another another uh moment recently where we were we were in Sydney, a place called the Ridge Golf Course, and a young couple turned up, and the gentleman had had a um, a brain injury, and was wheelchair bound, and we uh, we popped him into the paragolfer and, and stood him up for the first time. I think it was about three years, mm-hmm. and his wife or well, his girlfriend sort of just ran over and gave him this big hug, and you know we hadn't even put a golf club in his hand at that point, and just for him to be able to you know give her a proper proper hug rather than one of those awkward wheelchair yeah. hugs when you kind of hang out to the side. Um, 
you know, things like that are pretty hard to, to put into words as well. Just, she just didn't want to let him go. These are things we see pretty much every day at all our clinics around the country. So it sounds like the, the golf part is um, perhaps just just one part with the, the ripple effect that this has on not only the golfer but the people around them. And also I'm thinking more broadly as a community, you mentioned uh, the education aspect of your program and how helping the golfing community and broader community to be able to be more inclusive in a sporting context. Oh, that's, that's probably one of the biggest factors and and that's why you know, working with golf clubs themselves. And we all know that, you know, what a club environment can do um, for people, especially those who may otherwise find, you know, engagement in community and, and inclusivity quite challenging. Really, that's what we find, some of the sort of side benefits of, of people coming and initially playing golf, but then, you know, being part of the golf club and making those, those connections again and, and friendships and, and contacts that, you know, can improve their, their life going forward, definitely. Well, that brings us to an event that's coming up here in Canberra. Empower Golf is hosting a come and try golf clinic for the first time uh, at the Federal Golf Club. And that's on Tuesday, the 30th of May, 3 until 5 p.m. Um, can you tell us a bit more about, about that event? Of course, yeah. Look, we're, we're really excited to be, to be coming down to Canberra for the first of, first of our come and try golf clinics. Basically, on the day, uh, anyone with any disability will be able to, to try golf, to try the paragolfer, which is the stand-up wheelchair, and basically any other adaptive equipment that they might need to enjoy the game. We'll have a qualified blind and disabled golf accredited PGA professional who works with us around the country. And just a very sort of low-key, friendly environment for people to either come and return to a sport that they actually love or even try something just a little bit different for the very first time. We uh, we welcome all families, friends and carers who'd like to come along. And really, if you if you want to want to get involved, you can just go to our website and look under the events section and book through Eventbrite, which is a ticketing platform, so that we know that you're coming on the day. And what's that website again, James? It's Empower Golf com.au Fantastic. We'll put up some links um, for that event on our Facebook page also. We will try and spread the word as much as we can. It sounds like a really wonderful event that you're putting on and I, I wish you all the, the very best with this event and all of the other events that you're holding around Australia and continuing with this work. Thank you so much, James, for your time today and telling us more about Empower Golf. Absolute pleasure. Subject ACT is 2XXFM's current affairs program where we cover everything from politics and education to arts and entertainment and sport. Thank you for tuning in today. You can listen to this program and other podcasts at soundcloud.com slash subject ACT. Subject ACT is on Monday to Friday from 8.30 till 9am and don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Stay tuned for more people-powered programs coming up on 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Jennifer Thompson. Have a great day.
you're on Community Radio 2XXFM. To find out more about getting involved, head to our website, 2XXFM.org.au.